Please remain standing for today's scripture reading, which comes from the 24th chapter of Matthew, verses 36 through 44. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding mill together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you for loving and caring for us uh, in spite of ourselves. We pray as, uh, as your word is proclaimed that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your word. We know in order to do that, we have to get out of your way. And that begins with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. What is the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. Always be prepared. I promise you I'm not going duck hunting without being prepared. I'm not doing a lot of things without being prepared. Generally on Saturday nights, um, we, around my house, we, we do nothing. I'm getting ready for Sunday morning. I don't mean working on sermon. I'm just talking about being quiet. Well, I had this wild idea last night because Maddie and Jay had been in Little Rock looking for Santa Claus uh, yesterday. We only found him three times. But, but, but anyway, anyway, Maddie and Jay, we had Tommy's little girl, we had her over the Thanksgiving holiday, and I, I'm so thankful for that. But anyway, uh, wanted to go to Sonic. Wanted to go to Sonic and play and ice cream. Now keep in mind, I do nothing on Saturday nights. Uh, I'm not saying Charlize and kids and Tom. I don't mean anybody else. I'm talking about me. Uh, I have to be pretty quiet. So anyway, I take them. It's about 6.30, and I'm watching the ball game out there at Auburn and Alabama. Well, watching the ball game, and they're up, up and down and doing what kids do. And, but, but they wanted ice cream. Uh, uh, Maddie likes chocolate and Jay uh, vanilla. And so I wasn't thinking anything about it. So I got them all pumped up. On, on ice cream. At 1.30 this morning, Jay is jumping in my bed, jumping up and down, and Maddie's whining. And so this morning when I got to church uh, and everything, I was sitting there, and I heard, you know how you can hear your phone? I had it on uh, vibrate, and it buzzed. And I was sitting at my desk sound asleep. So if I go to sleep on you, y'all for, forgive me. <laughs> Being prepared, that's part of it, you know. It's also what we tell ourselves when with winter coming on and local TV stations competing with one another to, uh, for the best storm center of the region, the greatest, most up-to-date information and all that. 
I believe it was 2004, 2005, we had a tremendous ice storm in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I don't know if y'all got that here or not. We had it there. It paralyzed that city for about three days. And wouldn't you know it that my brother and his wife were at our house. I couldn't get him home. The, the ice was, was like this deep. Trees, I, I'm serious, trees that had been there forever. Across roads and everything. It's the worst ice storm uh, that, that I'd ever seen. And, and maybe some of y'all uh, remember that. You know, it wasn't just, we knew it was coming. I, I, chance of sleep and some frozen precipitation. Well, it was about five inches later and, and, and everything and everything out. You know, in the middle of the worst weather conditions, those that are most critical, we didn't have any way. I mean, TV was off, radios was off, everything. Everything was, was shut down. It wasn't the fact necessarily that we were surprised about that. It wasn't just the, the electricity and all that, but it's that feeling, that feeling of isolation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, uh, there, we were just there. Some emergencies, some crisis situations, they spring upon us with little or no warning. Mount St. Helens, uh, when it exploded back in 1980, there wasn't a scientist that expected the, the, the monstrous nuclear-type blast that flattened the mountain the landscape and the entire ecosystem inside the blast zone. Scientists were waiting on it. They knew it was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. And as a matter of fact, a lot of them were eagerly anticipating it, but not to that magnitude, not to the extent with which it, it, it happened. The mountain exploded with unimagined force and fire and the rush of wind. No one was prepared for that devastation. Not all disasters, though, are so unpredictable. When we think about how do we prepare, how do we prepare our lives to live a life, to live a life that, that has meaning, a, a life that, that not only are we fulfilling ourselves, but we're doing what God has intended us to do, doing what he has called us to do in the church. How do we prepare ourselves for that? Living a prepared life, regardless of whether, nothing says that you're, that you're going to make it home today. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, uh, I'm not saying you're not, but, but not saying that anything else has to happen for the Lord to come back to get his church. Just saying. So how do we live a life prepared? 2003 at Subiaco. Bishop, and, and I, I, I know it wasn't Hicks. That, that was a bishop that was here a long time ago. I believe his name was Wills, Dick Wills. He was from Florida. But anyway, 5 o'clock in the morning, I get up and, and go to the restroom, and I, and I look in the dining hall, and there sits this little scrawny bishop. You know, he, he, he's sitting there, and he has his Bible open. I said, Bishop, what are, you, what are you doing? You know, usually you don't see bishops with Bibles open, you know. <laughs> That was funny. But, but anyway, 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 he said, well, Tommy, I'm doing something that you might ought to try. You know, he said, I'm reading the scriptures, reading the scriptures. Well, then he goes on and he explains it to me. He says, for years and years and years, I have done this. He says, you start out and it's on our website. It's called SOAPY, S-O-A-P-Y. It's an acronym. 
for scriptures, observation, application, prayer, and yield. It's on our website. Any of you that want to start, you could start today. And if you started today, it's a lot of work. But if you started it today, a year from today, you would have read through the Bible in its entirety. Not so you can beat your chest and say, I've read through the Bible. You know, it helps me be prepared. It helps me be prepared. So I took the old boy at his word. And, and I, started, I started doing that. And it's not every day that I feel like doing it. There are some days whenever I go home, I am tired, I am give out. Uh, you know, it's a, my house, a lot of times, it's a three-ring circus, which it was before the kids, so I'm not, I'm not blaming it on the kids. But, but, but anyway, um, you know, go, like, like Wednesday, I go home, Bluebird Day, they could have finished this paving here. But no, not on a perfect day to pave, you know. We're not going to answer the phone, you know. And so our asphalt people didn't answer the phone where all of our pavement would be done. Like I told you all that it would be today, but it wasn't. So I didn't feel like doing my Bible study when I got home. But I did it. But I did it. I'm not saying I got a lot out of it. But I'm not saying that it didn't either. What I'm saying is it helps me live a life of being prepared in my own life, in my own heart, to help those around me, to help those around me, which would be all of you, to maybe live your life being prepared for the coming day of the Lord. Now, you can say all that, and you can be so sincere with all that, but you don't need to, to do it just so you can say, I've read through the Bible, you know. Uh, during, during the year. In today's gospel text, we hear Jesus' own words about being prepared. About things that are predictable. They're surprises, but they're predictable. Reading the story from the perspective of the Matthean community, these were first century Christians struggling Struggling to establish their identity and learning about faithfulness. As the years went by from Jesus' crucifixion, apocalypticism can be defined as the learning and lore of sages and scholars concerning the consummation of time. In other words, the coming day of the Lord, the return of the Son of Man. Apocalypticism wasn't new to first century religious communities. But expecting the eschaton had become a pitfall. In other words, they were looking for Jesus to come back. That's what they were busy doing, figuring out when he was going to come back. It had become a pitfall for some of the most faithful in the church. Enthusiastic people would carefully calculate the precise day when the Lord would return, only to have the world come and go with alarming normalcy when that great day dawned. Their faith was crushed. When we're told over and again, over and over and over and over, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is the day, this is the time, and it doesn't happen, our faith is crushed every time. So whole faith communities, entire faith communities, disbanded in disarray when, predict, when predicted end days simply became another day. In time, 
fixations were not exclusive. There were not exclusive manifestations of ancient communities, however. On October the 23rd, 1814, thousands, thousands of Christians sold all they had, all their earthly possessions, dressed in white, dressed in white robes. How many of y'all have white robes? That's what I thought. Not one. You do? One person out of 600 this morning has a robe in his Jeff. I believe that. Good for you. All the rest of us, other than Jeff, that <laughs> they climbed the highest mountain, to take it fine, climbed on their tippy toes to the tops of the trees to get even higher for Jesus' return. They had been told this was the date by William Miller, a farmer from western New York. He had dabbled in apocalypticism, which led him to declare that this was the date that Jesus would return. From his study of Scripture, this is what he came up with. When, when, when no one went anywhere but back down the mountain, he explained, he announced there was a calculation error. I knew you'd laugh. The real date was six months later which also came and went is his followers now and went away for good. Jim Jones, another apocalyptic leader. In the 70s, he moved his people's temple, full gospel church, from San Francisco to Guyana, where he could wait for the end times by creating a community that was living as if the end times had already occurred. November 18, 1978, Jim Jones and over 900 people, over 900 people ended their end times waiting by drinking cyanide laced Kool-Aid. Jesus' words for his disciples, for us, warns us against such idle speculations. Jesus is trying to steer those in whom he trusted the care of the gospel to the first generation of believers away from obsessing over the exact day, the precise moment when he would return as the triumphant son of man to claim his kingdom. Think of all the time that has been wasted with folks figuring that out. When we could have been when we could have been sharing the gospel, when we could have been feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, welcoming the stranger. But no, 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 no. We're going to figure out when Jesus is coming back. So when that happens, we can say, see, I told you. We're that way. People are that way. Y'all know that. That's not the role, the mindset, not the heart set that Jesus wants his followers to claim. Instead, Jesus insists that no one, not one human being, not the angels in heaven, not even the Son of God, is privy to the divine timetable time that's coming. Only the one who determined when the clock would start knows when the clock will stop. Only the Father 
Only the Father knows the moment when the days of this world will cease. Jesus knew that this new infant community bound itself to some, some fixed timetable. You see that it was doomed to fail. A failure, in fact. A failure in faith. It was to faith in the Word of God. It was to faith in the Father's providence and grace that Jesus called his disciples. To this eternal watchfulness. To a life dedicated and directed towards the predictable surprise of his return. Of God's any moment entrance into our lives. That's what Jesus has called his disciples to be aware of. To live a prepared life. Each and every day. It may seem strange that on this first Sunday of Advent that it's directed toward the conversa conversation of the end times, end things. Isn't this a season of, of new beginnings? But in today's gospel text, Jesus is directing his disciples' attention away from the endings and towards a whole new way of thinking. Thinking about the divine, God's hold upon that theology that's called eschatology. Eschatology is the beginning of a lifetime of faithfulness, a lifetime dedicated to trusting that God is in charge, that the world is, is in good hands because it's in God's hands, and that the human role, our role, is not that of a mathematician figuring out when the last day will occur. Our role is that of a perennial alarm clock announcing that at any moment the divine may enter into our lives and transform our lives beyond anything that we could ever imagine. It's the greatest prediction that I can give you this morning. I know how that God surprised my life in a 10-wheeler bob truck hauling rice to Waldenburg from Paragol. That was, a, that was a beatingest thing I ever saw. Who would have ever thought that? But he did. That's the way God works. We'll surprise our lives in a time when we least expect it. Are you ready to be surprised? Or is it business as usual for you this Advent season? Is it light another candle, shopping, Christmas trees? And I like all of it. I like every bit of it. But the church needs to understand that we are to be vulnerable to God's grace, to God's love, to God's mercy, and to seek his will. What is it, O oh God? that you want to do through me. I believe I've heard that somewhere in the last couple of years. What is it that you want to do through me? That's when we're living a prepared life because our focus is on God instead of ourselves.
that our focus is on what he wants instead of what we want. Will you open your life to the surprises of this Advent season? Will you let your life be ambushed? I like that word, ambushed by the Holy Spirit. See what God has in mind for you. See what he has in store for you. That's living a prepared life. Thanks be to God. Amen.